I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Statistics and machine learning are two fields that have advanced artificial intelligence. Montserrat Gonzalez, software engineer at Google, explains the difference between using traditional statistical approaches, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. We talked about the technological breakthroughs that are making machines get smarter and the implications of using statistics. To learn more about the topics of the show, sign up for the monthly newsletter by going to thewomenintechshow.com. Thank you for listening. Montserrat Gonzalez, software engineer at Google, is joining us today. Welcome to the Women in Tech Show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You have a background in computer science and statistics. Why did you decide to study statistics after having graduated from computer science? Yeah, well, I started to become interested in machine learning and artificial intelligence. So I started taking some classes and I realized that all these algorithms are based in statistics. And I hadn't had a great background in statistics during college. So I decided I wanted to learn more about it so I could understand these algorithms. While you were studying statistics, was this mixed with computer science or was it just pure statistics concepts? Yeah, it was something funny because when I decided I wanted to do statistics, I signed up for a master's degree at Carnegie Mellon in the statistics department. But It was very mixed with computer science. I was the only computer scientist trying to learn statistics. Most of them were already statisticians that were trying to learn how to apply their knowledge into computers so that they could start processing more data and so that their methods were more useful towards more people. So it was a mix. It was computer science, but it was, I mean, in statistics, but there were a lot of classes for coding and learning how to like write statistical methods in software. Did you notice differences between the people that didn't have a CS background trying to understand computer science versus you coming from computer science, knowing about AI applications and then just trying to learn statistics? Yeah, I think it was very noticeable. Um, there was a big difference where um, traditional statisticians, which don't have a background in computer science, they were mostly dealing with very small data sets and they found a lot of trouble to do process even like some couple thousand data points. Also, for me, since I had a background in computer science, as soon as I learned a new method, I could already see how I could apply it in software, what was the impact it could have towards a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Whereas for people that didn't have a computer science background, it was very hard to imagine how they could translate first into code and what could be the impact of the method or the analysis that they were, they were doing. So I think merging these two um, areas is very important and it can have a lot of impact of applying the statistical methods uh, that are traditional into computer science and algorithms. And you've mentioned being able to identify how to apply these methods that you were learning. How can some of the statistics concepts be applied 
in software algorithms. What are some examples of this? Yeah, so basically anywhere where you are trying to find a pattern or you're trying to predict something, you need statistics. And you use them in, for example, recommender systems like movie recommendations in Netflix. Um, you use them also in spam classification, like when you get an email and uh, Google or Microsoft, they try to figure out whether this email was actually intended to you or it's just spam. There is a pattern to what is a real email versus what is not. Also, when either companies like Google or Facebook try to give you ads, they'll try to give you an ad that makes sense for you. And they try to classify groups of people that have similar habits so that if other people like you are buying, for example, juice, they'll try to give you an ad for juice. There's also um, analysis as to, like, for instance, in online stores, they try to analyze what is the risk that you will not come back to that website and make a purchase so that they can start sending you coupons and offers so that you come back and make a purchase. So all of these are examples of applications where we use statistics applied into software that has a lot of daily impact in our activities. And other patterns can be with credit cards detecting fraud transactions. Definitely, that's another one, fraudulent transactions. A recent one that I had was the credit card, because I purchased airplane tickets, it knew that I was going to travel. So they sent me a notification saying, you don't need to tell us, we know. So I don't know if it's <laughs> creepy or not, but I thought it was useful. Yeah, that's very useful. And in statistics, what are the areas of it that are most useful for artificial intelligence systems? Are there particular areas of it? Yeah, so for this, I would like to explain first the difference between statistics and machine learning and the AI and the traditional statistical methods. So actually, um, statistical theory has been there for centuries. And as soon as math came up, I would say. Um, then statistical methods, which are like the traditional uh, linear regression, Bayesian methods, all of these have been there also for quite a long time. But machine learning and AI, they started becoming popular in the 1990s. And the difference between these two is that statistical methods are defined formulas that are very well defined and very well analyzed, and they're based on assumptions about the data. So the data has to have certain characteristics so that a certain statistical method can be applied to them to make predictions. Whereas machine learning or artificial intelligence, they try to learn from data without making any assumptions. And this, this is what has made them more powerful but they still use underneath a lot of statistical theory, but they don't use these statistical methods. So for example, linear regression and the traditional neural network, they are based on the same statistical theory, but linear regression makes assumptions about the data and the neural network doesn't. Mm -hmm. I would say you need to learn to understand artificial intelligence or machine learning from statistics 
is basic statistical theory uh, rather than statistical methods. So like, for example, when you come up with a new machine learning or AI algorithm, you know how to determine whether your formula will converge towards the expected value and whether uh, you are actually um, making improvements or over learning on the data. Mm -hmm. So I would say like machine learning is like an evolution of the statistical methods that are based on the same theory, but now not making any assumptions, which makes them much more powerful. What is an example of an assumption that is made with the traditional ones about the data? Is this about the shape of the data or the content of the data? Yeah. So, for instance, let's talk about um, linear regression. So, first, the data needs to be normally distributed, uh, which means it follows the bell shape. So, and linear regression, uh, what it does, it, it tries to draw a line where given x you predict y but this means that the data needs to be in a linear way so it means that um, you can't have a higher x that has a lower y if i'm making any sense so there's this complicated word called homoscedasticity which means that when you have um how can I explain it easily? It means that the variance of the errors, so that means if you draw the line, the line is not perfect, but how far it is from the actual prediction um, needs to have equal variance. So that's another one. So it sounds like it's a way to measure how good your guess was. Yeah, the errors cannot be also random. They have to have the same uh, variance across the errors. So, like you see, there are a lot of assumptions, and which means that this model, this linear regression, can only be used in certain data, not for all tasks, not for all problems. And even if you use them in a problem that looks like this, most likely it will not be a 100% fit. Mm -hmm. Like, we always assume that the data is normally distributed, but it's not. And like you said, in pure statistics methods, there are all these assumptions in place, then machine learning comes along and takes some of the concepts from statistics, removes the assumptions, and also throws in more data, right? Yep. So getting rid of these assumptions opens more doors to explore intelligent applications. Yeah, because it means that you can apply this the same algorithm to more problems, and most likely you'll find a better fit than just drawing a line or like making it sometimes for example when your data does not look like the perfect match for a statistical method you try to make it mm -hmm. a match for example you can try to expand it or like do transformations like to make it fit a line but this means that then your prediction is not going to be as perfect. Whereas in machine learning, since it has so much uh, flexibility, uh, most likely you'll find a better pattern, a better prediction. And currently we're seeing computer systems are getting smarter and smarter, like we talked about earlier. In one area is in natural language processing and being able to recognize language 
and formulary responses. I'm seeing a lot of this with the chatbots and things like that. What are some of the characteristics of language that make it approachable with statistics? Yeah, so first of all, we're trying to find a pattern in the data, right? So all statistical methods in machine learning, their purpose is to find patterns, make predictions. So language is definitely something that has a pattern. It has a syntax and it has a, a way in which uh, sentences are formulated and with them it comes the probability of each word and what's the problem like in certain languages in certain um, even in certain regions with the same language um, there are words that are more probable than others also in how people speak certain syllables or make certain sounds and they have patterns in how they do this which makes them identifiable and this is the pattern that we are trying to find with uh, neural networks in speech recognition. Something that uses a more traditional statistical methods would be when we want to test whether a new system is better. If we are trying to implement a new algorithm, we need to do some t-tests and we come up with confidence intervals to, to make sure that indeed the new system is better than the old one. And for building a system like this that works with language, at the beginning, what does the data look like? Is it in different forms? Yeah, so at the beginning, we only have um, audio and the transcription, so what the person said. And we throw the audio into the algorithm, uh, either a neural network or a more complicated other stuff, I, I'm yeah. not allowed to say exactly what, <laughs> but we start from audio and then we start building all these components based on the data and we predict the transcription or what the person said in text. And for example, if we have a, a text, I don't know, let, let's say it's a news article, do you take into account every single word when you build a system for natural language processing? Yes, you need to model each of the words as opposed to, um, I think there are other tasks like summary, mm -hmm. when you want to find like a topic, uh, predict the topic of the conversation, uh, you don't need all the words, but in speech recognition you do because you want to predict exactly what the person said. Okay. And since I mentioned earlier, we started seeing more of these intelligent applications recently. What technological breakthroughs have made it possible to build these systems? So, like I mentioned earlier, uh, machine learning and AI, they started in the 90s when computers came up. And then instead of where statistical methods are trying to uh, define a well, they're trying to find a model for the task and it's very well defined and it's it's it has assumptions now with computers they started letting the computer learn from the data and find the model by themselves mm -hmm. and the idea was nice and they had some nice results but they were not 100% better than the traditional statistical methods and it was like that until CPUs became better and faster and 
we started having more data than with a combination of the two, they surpassed traditional statistical methods. So that's why actually speech recognition using um, neural networks is not a new idea. It has been there for quite some decades, but it didn't become so popular because we didn't have so much data or so much processing power until now to actually have better results. And before when the models based on they had was chess and games like that, right? Right. More controlled. Yeah. I was going to say that actually speech recognition until some years ago, they were also using mostly traditional statistical modeling. So no neural networks. And now, like you said, there's all this data and part of it is because we carry a sensor in our pockets that we use all the time. We write on Facebook. We label the data on Facebook by saying if it's a happy thing or a sad thing. I think about that a lot when I just go on Facebook. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Right now we are data generators all the time. That's a good term. So let's talk a bit about the implications of using statistics. What are some of the implications that you've thought about when building systems that are using data and they're outputting an assumption or an, or an answer? So like I mentioned, you generate the models from the data. Mm -hmm. So whatever is in the data is what the algorithm is going to learn. But as we know, um, the world is not... A, 100% nice and fair place. So there are a lot of biases and stereotypes uh, that we are trying to get rid of, but they are reflected in the data. So for example, in speech recognition, uh, we need to be careful that our data is evenly distributed between male and female so that we have the same performance for both. Or I don't know if you saw that uh, there was a, a bot by Microsoft that made, um, I don't actually remember what it was. Tay or Tai? Yeah, yeah. And made a racist comment. Yeah. And, and this is because it, it's embedded in the data. So we need to be careful about that. And this is something that as of now we need to do kind of manually, mm -hmm. um, introducing some methods, but we need us as, um, engineers, we need to think about those things when analyzing the data. We need to keep in mind that if we just let the data run through, something will might go wrong. What I've also heard is that there are groups that are minorities, just to make sure these minorities are not also a minority in the data set in some cases. Right, like people, for example, in speech recognition for English, there are a lot of people who live in the U.S. that have an accent and that come from different places. And we want to be able to recognize those accents as well with the same accuracy as we do traditional English accents. Yes. In the early days of Siri, I had problems with it. I would give an instruction and then every single time it would end up trying to call somebody that I don't talk to for a long time. So it's just embarrassing. Yeah. So I and turned it off. Definitely. And the way we find this is like, like I said, like the engineers need to keep this in mind and test for it, uh, analyze it, because we can 
like I mentioned, we have test sets, right? Mm -hmm. To test whether our system is good or not. But also, if the test is like the general data, you're not going to find these issues. So we need to have tests that are for all accents, all genders, and we need to think about this all the time. We've been talking about statistics, machine learning, and some of the applications of it. Now I want to switch gears to another topic that you like talking about. In, on the International Women's Day, you gave a talk in a university in Mexico about diversity in tech. What was the idea of this talk? Yeah, so it, like you mentioned, it was uh, International Women's Day and uh, Google wanted to uh, have more impact um, and help women apply to engineering positions. So um, they invited me to give a talk about diversity and why it is important, uh, why we care about having uh, women in technology and how we can, as women, overcome the traditional gender issues mm -hmm. and how we can keep going at this discipline, which is a great career, so that in the end we end up with more women in technology. And part of the reason was what we talked about earlier. They can bring up issues like, I just tried the system and it doesn't recognize my voice. And then it's like, oh, because you're a woman, we need to better build the system right yeah and what will be one effective strategy or a strategy that you think will be good to involve more girls and people in college in the field of technology i think uh it is like a snowball so some women have made it through this industry and i think uh you would agree that most of us feel very happy and very lucky to be able to have impact in the products that we work on and the great careers that we have. Um, so I think it's our duty and like what you're doing with the podcast, helping other women and tell them about what it's like to be in technology, um, how great this career is, and giving them a role model to follow so that they don't feel like they are the only ones that are going to be in an engineer. Yes, definitely. Um, so if us, that we are already here, try to help others, and then they come, and then they help others, I think at some point we'll have... A lot of women in, in this industry. Yeah, especially the role models. I think it's important. I've heard some people, you know, they go to career fairs or fairs where they can find what to study, but they go to the booths. There's mostly men, or if there's women, they're handing out the T-shirts only. They're not engineers. So having more representation in those early stages so that people can relate to you. Yeah, because it's discouraging, right? It's like if you are interested and then you go and you feel like there are only guys and mm -hmm. that the environment, it seems like it's not for you. Yeah. But it actually is. And that's what we are trying to tell everyone. Yes, definitely. Well, Montserrat, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It was a great talk with you. Thank you. Thanks again for inviting me. Thank you.